Get Heavy Podcast, hosted by Craig Casamas and John Scheimer. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Get Heavy Podcast. Um, uh, Scheimer is not in on the call right now. He had something come up, but my good friend, Nick, guitar player for Pyro Latris, uh, gnarly New York band. Uh, we toured together back in the day when he was also in ba- uh, Hull. Um, and uh, he is a, a guitar tech for many, many, many bands, Gojira. Um, uh, I don't, the list goes on blind melon, right? You were telling me a billion, a billion bands. Um, uh, so, um, I just wanted to talk to you and say, hello, how are you? And, uh, so you're a New York resident as well, who was much smart enough to get out when it started hitting New York. Right. Uh, yeah, man, it's brutal right now. Yeah, I live uh I live right across the street from Wyckoff Hospital in Bushwick in Brooklyn. And um right now currently there is a morgue truck, refrigerator morgue truck on my block. Um they're loading, you know, loading bodies in and out uh all day long, 24 hours a day. Um it's it's bleak there. And like my girlfriend and I left the city on St. Patrick's Day and um came down to Maryland to stay with her parents for a while. Um and when we were leaving the city, you know, people, a lot of my friends and everything were like, wow, you know, you're blowing this out of proportion. Like, what's, why, why are you doing this? And, uh, and like those same people now are saying, you know, like, oh my God, it's so good. You got out of the city. Like, I wish I was out of the city. Um, and so just like, you know, having, I guess some of that, that knowledge ahead of time, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that uh, to be, you know, I'm in a place now where it's like, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's like we're, you know, there's five people in here and there's four cats and a dog and, uh, and whatever, but yeah, it's a lot, you know, but it, but it's, it's, it's awesome. And I'm super grateful for it. Like we have some hiking trails close by that we can go out and get some exercise and there's a car like in New York, you know, like nobody has a car and, you know, you got to depend on like bodegas and like gross, like overcrowded grocery stores and shit. Um, to get what you need. And, and then, and then of course it's like the belly of the beast. It's like the epicenter. So um, there's so many cases of it there. And, um, and at least here it's, it's, you know, there's that feeling of it being a little bit removed from it. Um, and then of course, when you go out of the house, like when we have to go to the grocery store once a week or whatever, it's like, it's real. Cause it's like, everyone's in masks and gloves and, uh, and, um, so yeah, we're just like hunkered down and, uh, I brought my music production gear down here and, um, I've been writing a ton of new music. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that at the very least, you know, maybe, um, <clears throat> like right, be- right before, uh, all this happened in December, um, Pyrolatris recorded a brand new album. Um, the same place that we recorded the first one, Teneral at, uh, it's called Barbershop Studios in New Jersey, um, with Brett Romness. He, he was actually the first drummer of Hull, um, really, really good friend from way back, amazing engineer. And, um, we tracked it there and then, you know, we were just in the process, like Sanford Parker just mixed it. We got the final mixes back and, uh, and you know, now everything came to a halt, you know, it's like labels aren't putting anything out. Um, there's no more money. Like we're basically paying for everything. So there's no more money for, uh, to finish it and get it mastered and like do the artwork. And, um, so yeah, so everything is just, just kind of on hold. And so I'm just hoping to like come out of this with, 
maybe maybe a, another new new album that that the band can learn and record Yeah, get a record in the can while you got the time you know what i mean right right yeah, yeah. it's a trip because we're in the i'm in the same spot you know i started i took years off after the wrath and then started a new band um and we literally recorded a record we got all the artwork done we have a, a small label that we're doing a pressing with you know what I mean? And literally everything shuts down, like right as it gets sent off to the pressing plant. So it's like, I had a whole, we're going like complete, not DIY, but uh, we're not get worried about a label. We're paying for our own marketing. You know what I mean? Or right, right. that kind of shit. We're just doing the, all ourselves. Cause the real, the thing is, is that I, you know, I have zero interest in really touring it like we did in the past, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. um, but now it's like, is anyone alive or like what's hap you know like what does this even look like our record was already like it felt like six months behind you know what i mean because we're right. waiting on artwork and kind of just seeing what we wanted to do with it and it like now that everything all the momentum got going we had everything set up for the marketing to get released in the next we wanted to release like early may you know essentially and right. it's like it's just at a screeching fucking halt, man. You know, it's it's a trip, I, so. yeah, it's brutal. But you know, it's like I'm trying to just remember every day. Just like um, I can start spinning out real easily. You know, right. uh, uh, you know the existential crisis. The all like, oh, I'm this totally. age and the this you know the lack of savings. And I've been like do, doing you know punk rock and metal my whole life and like sleeping mm -hmm. on floors and torn yeah. around and whatever. You know, and now it's like. I, I have my music gear and like not much else. And, um, and so it's just like, it's been a good time to like slow down and think about things and like be super grateful for like what I do have. Cause you know, to be honest, it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's a bit frustrating and I can, I can get irritable at times or whatever, but like I have it, I do have it way better than, than a lot of people right now. And, um, and I, and I try to remember that every day, you know, yeah. and um, I do have the chance to like, take a breath, slow down, do, you know, work on my, like my craft and, uh, do what I really love. And, um, and just, you know, hopefully like <clears throat> this will slow down soon. And, and, you know, like, uh, the death toll will slow down soon. Cause it's, it's bleak, you know, and, uh, and also try to remember that like throughout history, you know, there's been, you know, I mean, trying to think about people that went through like the Holocaust and shit, you know, and like, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, World War II and, and um, different famines and all that shit. And it's like, it's like, you know, I, we can get through this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it sounds dumb to, to quote memes, but there literally was like World War II, you were asked to go, you know, back in the fifth forties, you're asked to go to war. You're asking to sit, like you've been asked to sit at home. Like <laughs> you're right, not, right, right, you're right. not, it's right. not war, dude. You know what I mean? Like right. you're, you're fucking at home, you know, but like I wanted to ask, so living across the street from the hospital, seeing you're literally seeing how bad it is at this point even in that early uh march right so you're seeing how bad yeah. it is you're seeing them bring a refrigerator truck into fucking house body which i watched a vice thing about that exact same thing you know what i mean them fighting like fighting for five ventilators at a time and and shit like that yeah. so i mean do you think that accelerated your anxiety of it or is it i mean i know you're when we were on tour, you're not, I'm not going to say you're an anxious dude, but you're definitely the guy that made sure shit runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I, I mean, always, and I, I'm that guy too. You know what dude. I mean? So I think that's why yeah. me and you got along so well. Yeah. Cause it was like, I've always, I've always man, been we just got to of... keep this fucking ship not sinking. Right. So do you think yeah. that like, uh, you're naturally like that was going to get you, you were going to get there if that, if that you didn't see what was happening. Like, do you think you would have got to the same place where I, you were like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Or do you think it, if you didn't live where you were and so, like so close to it, you would have maybe stuck it out? 
No, no. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think, I, I think I probably would have left regardless, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I was starting to see it. <clears throat> we were chatting a little bit about like some of the things I do and whatever. And like as a guitar tech and I tour around and I, I, so one of the bands I work with now primarily is Portugal, the man. And, and we were just, um, which I pretty, love that band. Yeah. God damn it. I love that band. <laughs> They're great, great people. Like they do a lot yeah. of charity work and like, all you know, like fucking great band. Um, but yeah, we were just, uh, it was pretty amazing. We were just in Hawaii. Um, we did a show out there. And then, uh, so I was out there, my, my girlfriend and I, and the, and the drum tech Mitch and his girlfriend, Kaina, we were out in Kauai for like a week um, beforehand and then did the show on the Big Island and uh, flew back to Phoenix to do one fest and then home. And um, that was in February. And we were seeing um, a lot of people like in the airports and stuff at that time were wearing masks. And it was kind of like, and, and I was still sort of in that, that mindset of like like man like people are like kind of blowing this out of proportion like right and then just like every single day it just kept getting worse and worse and then by like mid-march um you know my girlfriend and i just made the decision you know like we we should get out of here and it was actually you know i i didn't really feel like how serious it was until um we were supposed to go to mexico like portugal was supposed to go to mexico for like a week and, um, you know, had everything planned and, and, uh, you know, was really looking forward to it. And, um, and, uh, like the day before we were supposed to fly out or two days before something like that, um, tour manager hit us up and was like, yeah, Mexico's canceled. And, um, and it was just like a reality check because, right. yeah, man, like, you know, it's like, uh, people in our industry that's kind of what we do like we live we we sort of live tour to tour and paycheck to paycheck yeah, and, man. Uh, no, i mean nothing cancels a tour besides some major shit going on you know what i mean so that is one of the right. i mean we, especially like with with portugal that that is a machine dude you know what i mean like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a huge machine to stop moving unless there is a serious reason you know like one of my band's tours, like if it gets canceled, it's because, yeah, because someone fucked up and didn't book it right, you know? But like right, right. a machine like that, like Portugal, like Gojira, any of those bands you've been working with for the last fucking 10 years is like for them to cancel an event is a big fucking deal, you know? And all of our minds, even as artists, you know, like right. you don't cancel well, shit, you know? Yeah. And then we started, you know, and then very quickly started hearing word about, oh, like, you know, like, oh, the next couple months. And then the, then the day after that was like, oh, maybe the rest of the year was, is going to be canceled. And, um, and that's my primary source of income. And then when I'm not on tour, I, I do guitar work in Brooklyn, you know, like I, I work on people's guitars and setups and intonations and electronic work and shit. And, you know, I started thinking like literally everything I do, you know, like I do kind of jack of all trades. I do a lot of different things. You know, you live in New York, you got to hustle. Yeah, you look like, you know, I've seen your post, you know how to swing a hammer, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can put some walls up if you had to. Yeah, like all that shit. Like I grew up as a builder with my dad and like, uh, like whatever. But like, you know, and I do AV work as well. Like I I went to school for audio engineering. So like everything I kind of do nowadays has to do sort of with like audio um, in the audio realm or like guitar work, you know, whatever. And, um, I started thinking about like, okay, so my main source of income has been canceled for maybe the rest of the year. Um, and then, you know, like when I'm not on tour, I do guitar work and like, you know, all these shows, all these gigs, everything's canceled. People don't have expendable income. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the possibility of like getting enough guitar work to, to stay afloat then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then the AV work and it's generally like, I, I actually work with, um, 
uh, Elliot Hoffman from from Carbomb, the drummer of Carbomb. Oh, okay. Um, amazing, amazing drummer and band. But uh, but but anyway, um, he's he has a company, an AV company called Hoftech, and I work with him, and we generally do um major installations in like ultra wealthy like upscale you know townhouses in, in new york and and um and i started thinking about like okay like those are going to be closed we're not going to be able to do that that work's going to be so 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 long story short like all my work is canceled right so so immediately it was like reality hit and and it and it didn't really hit until like i lost that mexico gig and then reality hit and i'm like fuck like what am i like i'm i'm fucked and um and so as soon as that happened you know, that was, it was a, it was a pretty easy decision to like, to come down to Maryland into like a suburb and get the fuck out of New York city. Right. Um, so like, I fortunately have not actually seen with my own eyes, like any of that stuff we were talking about, like the, you know, the re refrigerated morgue truck on my, Oh, okay. Like, like I've had, um, like a, a friend of mine sent me that link, you know, and it's, and it was, like I said, it was literally like on my block that I live on. And, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm just, uh, so I'm so happy I'm out of there, you know? Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, it, it, there's, it's something inherently like, so it's so instinctual to be in a place like that for me and be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and some people aren't, you know what I mean? Some people are like, ah, you know, and I know New Yorkers are inherently fucking tough. And you know, you guys, your guys' germ exposure is 20 times what ours are. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like every, Subway alone, it's it, like, yeah. And I was talking to Drew, you know, we had Drew on uh, 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 last week. And, um, you know, and I just thought, like, I mean, half of you guys were probably like, ah, fuck it, we'll be fine. You know what I mean? And then, and then it, it takes something like that to really, you know, especially yeah. like you're out in airports, you're traveling the world, you're seeing it hit everywhere else already. You're starting right. to hear about it and see it, you know, so it, it has to like, once it yeah, hits yeah. home, now it's home, right? And at my instinct, you know, I live in a place that's not very crowded. We're an hour outside of LA. So I don't have to worry about what you worry about. You know what I mean? If I go to the store, I can put my shit on and I'm good. You know what I mean? But I can go for a nice right. walk in my neighborhood without being around a thousand people. But um, yeah. And, you know, and, the, th and the, the, the sad thing is like, there's so, so many people in this world that like, they don't have that privilege. You know, not people at all. Homeless people or like people that li live in impoverished sections of of the world. It's like, what do, what do they do? You know, and that's and it's and it's it's brutal and it's sad and it's scary and it's uh and it's uh, there's also like I was talking about like that gratitude of like yeah. um trying trying to hold that gratitude and also try to like stay in the day. You know, like I uh, oh yeah, I talked a little bit about like I got I got sober back in two thousand nine and um like that was fucking mayhem for a long time but uh but you know like yeah you're still pretty incredible i remember you telling me a long time ago you know and it's like man you yeah know, you're one of the you're one of the lucky ones to get out of it dude right right Honestly, and you know, and like you know not to make it all about like sobriety but like one of the things like i learned early on to help me with staying sober was like one day at a time you know it's like it's a it's a one day at a time thing like i i can do this today and like um you know, I've really been implementing that principle recently because like what'll happen is like, you know, I'll start spinning out and be like, fuck man, I'm, I'm like this age and like I don't, this savings and what am I going to, what does my career look like? And when, when it's, when work starts back up, what's that going to look like? And how long am I going to be able to save money? And then like, do I want to be in New York mm -hmm. anymore? I've been there almost two decades and I'm fucking, I'm tired of the grind and the hustle and the hurdles. And, the, and you know, it's, it's fucking hard in New York. And like, 
And so like I start spinning out about like, and, and none of those answers, like the, I, I can't answer any of those questions. Every one of those is a question that will have to unfold, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. an answer that will unfold it eventually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For right. Sure. So if I, if I, if I just remind myself on a daily basis, like keep, keep it in the day today, I have food in my stomach today. I got a roof over my head, you know, T- today like what are all these things that i'm like grateful for today and like and that's that's been helping me um and then of course like i was talking about like i i've just been like writing non-stop i mean in yeah. since since i've been down here since the 17th you know i've written three new songs for the band um and you know i've been doing that <clears throat> um that essentially, you know, Pyrolatra started kind of in like 2012, like it was sort of like a solo project. And that was like nearing the end of, uh, you know, nearing the end of Hull sort of. And, and it kind of came out of some of the frustrations of, of things like uh, that I, w- I wasn't getting from Hull. And so I started this thing, this project solo thing. And, um, and then so anyway, you know, over the years, like basically um, not at all that it's like it's my band or it's my project. Like, I don't look at it like that. You know, the band Mm -hmm. is very cohesive. It's a very cohesive unit. Yeah. But I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying it's your brainchild. It's your fucking. Well, yeah. So so, it's it's so funny. It's, it's so hilarious how the punk rock guilt, like, will literally drive you to not take credit for your shit that you made. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. I do it to me. I write 99% of the songs in tongue. I fucking right. write all the lyrics. I sing all the songs, right. and yet I still am hesitant to be like my band. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. I do but, the but same like, thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I mean because now it is such like it was a solo thing for a long time, and and then and you know and then Lev uh, Lev Weinstein joined um, mm-hmm. from like Kralis and Anacon and Woe and Gary on and fucking a million other bands he plays yeah. in. Um, Ripper. Yeah, he's yeah. such a beast. But uh, so he joined and then we, you know, I had three songs and then we wrote another six and then we recorded Tenoral together and I did uh, all the instrumentation and vocals and every and samples and stuff and he played drums. And then after that, you know, we got, that's when we got Joe Marola mm-hmm. and Nolan Voss, uh, bass and guitar. And then, and then since then, it's very been like, like, like it's a very cohesive unit. Right. And, and you know and i and i love those guys i love playing with them everyone's on the same page and then um with this new album inventorate uh we so yeah so what i was saying is like basically i write i write all of the skeletons of all the songs like mm-hmm. I, I do it on my computer i program drums you know i use like steven slate plugin and i do all the drums via midi and then i record um all my ideas and i I put them together and i send it to the guys like as songs as like completed like song ideas um so somebody can hear hear it in context you know and then and then we'll take it and then we learn it and then like we you know work out dynamics and like you know nolan is like a fucking ripper guitar player and he Mm. you know he comes up with all the solos and then we'll work out harmonies and then joe is just like a phenomenal bassist he's way better than me and you know, he'll come up with these like crazy bass lines and then, and then it becomes like a, a cohesive song of, from the band, you know? And, um, definitely, but yeah, I mean, this just gives me like a really good opportunity to like write a lot of these skeletons that like, you know, and of course it's crazy because like, I look at it sort of like a sketchbook. So I'll come in and I'll like, 
I'll just come up, I'll figure out riffs and I'll, I'll write some riffs and like, I'll be like, Oh, that's fucking rad riff. And I'll, I'll video myself playing it. So I don't forget how to play it. Right. That, I do I'll, that, dude. I, dude, right. the amount of riffs I have forgotten yeah, know, yeah, yeah. over the years, and, you're like, what the fuck, man. You right. Know? And then my, my ear is good, but like these yeah. weird chords that I do. Oh so, dude. Yeah. It's a so nightmare. I video, yeah. I video all the shit. And then I, I like, I use it as like a sketchbook and I mm -hmm. sketch these like riffs out in these songs. And then like, I'll go back. If I go back to that song, like a week later, I like, I'm not going to be able to play it all the way through. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah. Like, you know? And so then it takes like, we worked on inveterate. We worked on the entire year last year. Like we played one live show. And so I'm like dying to play a live show. Yeah. I, like, one live show last year. Um, you know, and then on top of the, the other, the other part of the equation was like, I was out on tour as a guitar tech and then left. I mean, how many playing. months out of this last year where you were gone? It seemed like you were gone a lot, man. I was gone a lot, but, but really, you know, I, th I think I was maybe gone probably four or five months out of the year. It wasn't like a brutal touring schedule. Oh, okay. Um, That's man. You know, yeah. You're home yeah. enough to make the trips fun still. <laughs> you know, when you start yeah. hitting that over a six month mark, you're like, <sighs> yeah, this right, feels like right. a job a little bit, dude, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. And, and being a tech too, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to actually talk to you about like, actually you're, I mean, I know you're a killer guitar player. I've seen your equipment. Obviously it's well-kept. I know you know how to work on guitars and stuff, but like, how, how, what a weird element is it to step into someone else's fucking, you know, you've got a window into how someone else's fucking family works essentially. And yeah. like to be able to work within their guidelines of what they think sounds good or what they need or whatever, like, how is that dynamic? Like with every band, is it, is it, I mean, I, I'm sure there's bands that you went out with that you were like, never a fucking again. But uh, it yeah, seems oh, to yeah, me yeah. that you always have a, a nice little roster of, of people that you work with. So, like, how uh, uh, how do you, like, step into a situation and, and just, like, because it's so much of the vibe. I mean, especially staying sober during all that. Yeah, time, yeah. You know? I know you're pretty confident in your sobriety, but, like, how do you even man Like, when you step into a new band like that, how do you manage that stuff? Well, I think I... Uh... It kind of froze up. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you see me? Yeah, it's kind of, it's weird. It's kind of freezing. I don't know if this is my oh, okay. uh, Wi-Fi. Hold on one sec. Let's see. All right, guys. Uh, we had a little technical difficulties here. Um, but uh, anyway, I want to do – I think we were talking before we stopped about, you know, you're, you've been a guitar tech for, the, what, the last 10 years or so? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe not 10, but um... – professionally probably seven what years what day is it man yeah i know uh, <laughs> it's just like, yeah what it's what, <laughs> the longest fucking yeah. 2020 ever yeah you know? yeah yeah probably like seven years or so that's cool and, so um, how did you find yourself getting into it and then i really wanted to know like as as a musician dude it's you know i don't really have a huge problem relinquishing power I, generally if someone wants to take some i'm fucking fine like please but um, how did how do you like find yourself stepping in a new situation with new bands and stuff and and like navigating that dynamic? I mean, I know you were used to it because we've all toured together and you right. know what it's like to be in a van. But uh, like when you have someone's gear that is, you're just like, dude, dude what are you yeah. doing? You know? Okay. Well, yeah. I'll start by saying the first thing I'll say is like complaining is tour cancer, right? So hundred percent, dude. Um, 
you know, the other thing is like someone that, uh, like someone that is, um, has a good personality, is likable, is funny, works well with others, um, but might not be good at their job technically. Right. Is going to last way longer than somebody that is amazing at their job technically, but is a fucking asshole. Totally. Um, it's like 85% of it, I think, is, is, is just uh, works well with others. Oh, um, 100%, dude. Yeah. So, so I will, I'll start by saying that. But like, okay, so how I got into it. So basically, you know, I've been playing guitar, you know, my whole life and then started band. My first band, I was like 12 or 13 and then played in bands forever and touring and then just doing that. And, um, and just, you know, tink over the, over the years, like tinkering with gear and I became like a total gear nerd and, and bought tons of amps and heads. And then like, I would, you know, I, I started getting into all that and modding stuff and whatever. And then, um, I went to school for audio engineering and originally thought, um, thought that I, I might go the route, you know, I did, I did some like front of house, uh, like live engineering yeah. for a while and recorded some bands and that kind of stuff and thought I was going to go that route. And, um, and I took a couple electronics classes in school and it sort of like sparked my interest into like, um, I don't know, one day I was just like, man, I've been playing guitar my whole life. How, like, how do I not know how to work on my own guitar? Like I spend money. I'm at that point um, now, dude. I really am. I'm almost embarrassed that I don't know how to fucking right. fix anything. Right. Like I would bring my guitar into a tech to have them like intonated and whatever. <clears throat> and so just like those electronics classes like sparked my interest in uh, in in that in like working on guitars and so i i wound up i started working on my own guitars like i i would like watch youtube tutorials and i would like read books and i would start like fixing and tinkering my guitars and i would post them on on instagram and shit mm -hmm. and um and then just, you know, because of like the very small following that like Hull had and just like the, the metal scene in New York and like having networking and whatever, like um, I wound up, a lot of people started hitting me up being like, oh, do you, you know, do you, can you, can you, you know, fix a, a pot, like a volume pot or whatever. Right. I'd be like, Simple uh, shit. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. I, would, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would take the guitar and I would like, I would teach myself how to do it and I would post about it and do that, whatever. And then, um. So the way I got into teching was, you know, uh, at one point, a friend of mine, um, he is, who is now the, uh, um, he is the monitor engineer for Portugal Demand, so it came full circle, but um, he, he kind of like got me my first gig. He had um, teched with Not A Surf, like a, like a couple days, he had done like a, a weekend gig with them. He got the gig somehow, I don't, I don't even know, but um he got the gig and then, you know, they had asked him again if he could do it. And he was like, you know, like, I'm not really a guitar tech. I'm, I'm a, I'm a monitor. I'm a front of house engineer. He's like, but I know, but I know someone, you know, and, um, and actually I'll interject years ago, I actually wound up doing one job, one tech gig for a uh, killing joke. And that was, um, oh, cool. that was a crazy scenario. I was living at the time. It was like before I got sober and I was like doing tons of drugs with this guy I do. And I lived in this like, piece of shit place in Brooklyn and um a dude played in this group with uh Burton from from Fear Factory and um so we would always hang out Burton would come stay with us and we'd do like a bunch of coke and shit together and whatever yeah, yeah. and um classic Burton tale 
Yeah, their band was uh, playing with Killing Joke, and Burton was like, "Hey, man, like, um, you know, he he was like a fan of Hall, and he was like, mm. you know, we we were we were friends, and he was like, he was like, oh, like Killing Joke needs a tech, and I was like, oh, fuck, what, okay, and I, and I did it, and I just the whole entire time I just like kept rolling like at the time I was selling a bunch of weed I kept yeah, rolling yeah, joints yeah. and just lighting them and bringing them out to the dudes on stage and they loved me like I didn't I, I like tune their guitars and whatever but so anyway fast forward like so getting into like this teching and the, you know Rush uh who's the monitor engineer of Portugal now you know he hit me up he was like yo like not a surf needs a tech like I'm not really a, a guitar tech like can you do it and I was like uh, I'm not like I'm not a guitar tech. And he's like, dude, you like, you toured a band, you know how to work on guitars. You play guitar forever. You fucking know gear. You know, you're a guitar tech. Yeah, I was like, exactly. Yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah, I guess I am. And so like, I wound up, you know, working with them and, and they're just like amazingly lovely guys. Like I, I love them. They're like family now. Um, but uh, so I wound up, working with them and then little by little just like you know it's like it's like anything it's an experience and then like learning how the house works learning what a stage manager does learning what a production manager does and, and all of that stuff is just it's just kind of like you got to get put like put it into the fire to learn. oh you have it's ab that whole entire industry is all trial by fire you know it's 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 crazy because like the um right right and those things like those things that you're talking about now, those dial into almost any aspect in real life. You know, I work a construction, you know, I was a, a foreman for a big construction thing and I would exactly the same. I would take someone that's gung ho willing to try with less skill than some dude that's a professional for 40 years. And it's a fucking nightmare. You know, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. when you I've go worked. into those situations, it, I always, I always think like, you know, my fucking punk rock, like DIY ethos has gotten me really far in my, in this outside world of construction very fast. And it's because a few things I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I'm a fucking professional if I'm not. Right. You know, I'm no, going to admit the... when I'm wrong, admitting when you're wrong or fucked up yeah. is the number one thing, you know what I mean? And it's well, like, and that's, yeah, sorry to interject, but like that, that's a key, that's a, that's a key component in it is that uh regardless of how like nervous i might have been in a gig or whatever if if i didn't know how to do something especially like you know for example like um rf on like a wireless guitar or something um i would immediately say like sorry i don't have experience with this i don't know how to do it can you show me or uh, you know like whatever and you know 99 percent of the time the people are super cool they'll show you how to do it they'll they understand and then you learn how to do it. And then the next time you know how to do it and you keep taking those little skills and building upon it. And, uh, you know, it, I find that when I've worked with people like that before that like their ego takes over and they're like, you know, they, they act like they know everything and they yeah. might not know, but they, they <laughs> yeah. act like it. And then they, and then they fuck shit up royally. And then, uh, and it, and it's never a good scene. And so that's, well, and it's always like this. He, and then he didn't do it and he yeah. fucking didn't do it. You know, it's like, you know, if you just, if you were to take the two seconds, let your ego down and realize that you're not king shit, you know what I mean? They, you know, I, right. it's just so weird. It translates everywhere. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and yeah, so like, <clears throat> basically little by little, like I kept doing that and then I wound up like, you know, doing more research and like, you know, figuring out, like I got word from another tech, oh, like check out like Stu Mac or whatever. And then, you know, and then like <laughs> learning, you know, all parts and like, you know, tour supply and like, and then you start you know, people in the industry, they know a little here, they know a little there, they know, you know, and then I started learning all this stuff. And, um, 
you know, I did. I also, I, I have to, I have to mention uh, Marcus Schaefer. Like he's the guy. He, um, he built all the guitars for Hull. Yeah, um, and they're those are incredible guitars, dude. <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah. He's a, he's an yeah. amazing luthier. He's an amazing human. He is. Uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's just like he'll give you the shirt off his back. He, um, that guy knows about like everything. Like he knows how to fix a car. He knows how to like he can build a house. He's he's amazing. And uh, his response. Anytime I would ever be like, dude, dude, how do you know all this? He's, he's always like, it's not rocket science. You know, he's just yeah, like one of those kind yeah. of guys. But yeah, um, You're like, yeah he, but it kind of fucking is, dude. <laughs> you know, he he yeah. he he taught me a ton, and I'm like, um, insanely grateful to him. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, little by little, and then like you know, the word spreads and networking, and then like, oh, like I like I know a guy. He's based in New York, and then the, you know, I would get a random email from whatever, and like you know, working with like Deer Tick, and I got a gig with like Good Charlotte, and uh, mm -hmm. I wound up working this last year on my 40th birthday. I I, I was working with Graham Nash from Crosby, wow. Stills and Nash. That's a cool birthday my, present. Yeah, and he he was like so amazing, like such a fucking beautiful soul. Like like he was such a great guy, and uh, and then like you know I wound up like fast forward years later, I've had all these like amazing experiences and like uh, been able to, like travel the world and like do you know have tattoos and wear what I want and do and not have a boss over my shoulder, work on fucking right. guitars and like, and then and then yeah, I just kept taking those skills in my own shop in Brooklyn where we we rehearse and i also have my my guitar bench i started like modding cables and like fucking modding amp heads and like <clears throat> i would uh you know i had like all these big huge pedals on my pedal board and I, and I wanted to like reduce my footprint so like i tried figuring out how i could like you know make these pedals into like smaller chassis and like totally um so i just started doing you know i switched out all my speakers in my cabinets i i, I was for a while there i was like obsessed with like the fucking perfect tone which doesn't exist <laughs> yeah. by the way the so quest I, yeah I mean, the quest is yeah, it's, 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 it's the quest of the holy quest. grail it's not fucking real bro yeah because dude like <laughs> yeah. you know i'll get I'll, I'll change the speakers i'll change yeah, i'll put in oh, different yeah. pickups i was changing pickups like once a week for like a year you know like and and i'll go in there and i'll, I'll play some riffs and, and like i'll be like oh my god this sounds amazing and then like the next day i come in and for whatever reason my ears aren't working totally. the same way and then and then so I would just keep doing that shit and um and then taking taking on projects like people would be like dude I want to put in like a Bigsby you know tremolo in, sure. in my guitar or like or I want to put in an Evertune like can you can you route this out for me and I would be like and I grew up with my dad building since I was little like right. I've done I've done roofing I've done flooring I've done framing I've done everything so like right. I took all these skills and I wound up, you know, making my own templates and like started like routing bodies, like cavities for pickups and like putting in these bridges and, and, um, and yeah, you know, there's a learning curve and a learning oh, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you fuck shit up and whatever, but like over time, it's just building on that to the point where now, like, you know, it is like, it's like, I really do on a general basis have like, have like a really amazing life that I'm super happy with that. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm so, you know, I keep using that term grateful, but yeah, man, like, I, um, it's really fucking awesome. I've been able to like plan vacations around tours, you know, like, um, the bass player from not a surf, Daniel Lorca, he, he lives full time in Ibiza, which is like, 
you know, oh, yeah, nice. that's just like, I mean, he's Spanish. Yeah, tough, he's got, tough world over there. <laughs> he's got, yeah. He's got this, uh, he's got this like a, like tiny little, well, not, not even so tiny, but just like this fucking amazing, like farmhouse. And, right. and, um, and on one tour I did with Gojira, we did like two weeks in Europe and then we had a week off and we were going to do uh main support to Iron Maiden in Madrid the nice. following, the following weekend. So instead of flying all the way home and flying back to Spain the next weekend, uh, the tour ended in Paris and I hit up Daniel from not a surf. And he was like, anytime you want to come, come stay. I hit him. I was like, yes. Yeah, so hey, well, uh, good so I can come stay. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I went and, yeah. um, stayed with him for a week, rented a car for like 160 bucks for the week and went, fucking snorkeling and and like cave diving and cliff jumping and like all this amazing shit and um he's also like one of the world's best cooks and so we just had like this like ridiculous food every night and um and then i flew from ibiza to madrid and did this like one-off show with iron maiden which was also just like totally fucking i mean yeah 12 year old dream right yeah right right and uh you know so like i've been able to do that kind of stuff like uh yeah, I did a tour with Propagandi, which is uh, oh, that's I, rad. That band is so incredible, man. Dude, I, I probably some of the not, most hardworking Canadians I've ever met, and they all seem to be working pretty hard. You know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they, they. So Propagandi was like one of my favorite bands since I was fourteen. Like, I, I oh really? I, I love like love of love that band, and um, <clears throat> I got the gig. Taylor, the tour manager from Gojira, he uh, he hit me up about about it, and um. I swear, like when, when, before it was even confirmed, when he just like, he called me and like asked me if I would be into doing it. Uh, it wasn't even confirmed. I, I like, I, I kind of got choked up because I was like, this is like a dream come true. You know, right. like, just the, the possibility of touring with propaganda. Like, I was like, this is, you know, so I get this gig. I do two weeks in Europe with them, which was just, super fucking awesome those guys are are great they're like you know like talking about all these stories that i heard you know since i was a teenager yeah. and then um and then so you know i have this uh the the tour ends in london and i was going to do another 3 week tour with ben howard in europe um 10 days later so instead of going home that that was a uh, 2 years ago over thanksgiving instead of going home, I stayed with my friend, one of my best friends in London for four days and did like Stonehenge and did all that shit. And then, uh, I flew, um, super cheap flight. I flew to Scotland by myself and rented a uh, camper van. Dude, I drove around Scotland by myself for a week in like the Highlands and like Loch Ness and all these castles. And it was like, man, too bad you don't drink, buddy. No, you know <laughs> Some what? Of that though? Scotch would have been woo. Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean, it was like, I, you know, talk about life changing. Oh, it's, I bet it's gorgeous, man. It was like beyond, like, I can't even, words can't even describe. Like, Scotland yeah. is one of the most beautiful places on earth. But, um, but yeah, that was the first like vacation I'd ever done on my own. And, um, and it, I mean, it was, it was like life changing. And then, uh, you know, so like, so my point being is like, I've been able to like do all this amazing shit, plan these crazy vacations around it, have like expenses paid to go do this stuff, come home with money to pay my rent. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, are there struggles and are there times when we're flying from fest to fest and get no sleep and like carrying all this crazy gear and whatever. Yeah. You know, sometimes it sucks, but for the most part, it's like, um, it's a pretty, pretty fucking amazing career, but oh, it's yeah. also, 
the stability I mean, is like is hard, you know. I mean, anyone who's had the rare opportunity to fucking follow something they'd love to do, let alone have the privilege to make a living doing it. I mean, we, you, you especially, and me are 0.001 fucking percent of people that have ever dared to follow a dream or a passion or something like that. You know what I mean? And to be like for any of us to be able to set out and play music and maybe come home with money, maybe not, but just to follow what it is that you want to do. And then to navigate that into making that your actual career is so fucking special because I work in, yeah. you know, where I work and I work with tons of people that had huge goals for themselves when they were kids and wanted to do things and got their wives pregnant or got in the union early and have been working their whole entire lives, not doing the one thing they wanted to fucking try. I'm not even daring to do it at this point. You know what I mean? It's, I, I constantly, I use that as a constant reminder to think how lucky I am that I've been able to even touch on a whatever inch of fucking, you know, uh, passion that, you know, people don't even follow at all. You know what I mean? Like it's really right, hard right. to not have gratitude if you can put it in those types of, uh, framework, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's like, it's something that I feel like I, I, I was born at just like inherently new. Like I've always been like very rebellious that I've always kind of done what I wanted to do. And I always like, there's just like certain things about society that I just like you know before my before I was old enough to even be taught this stuff I just kind of knew it and like um yeah I mean my whole life like the 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 idea the thought of like working 40 to 60 hours a week you know until you're whatever 60 65 70 and then you you retire and you're too old to do any of these things you wanted to do and it's all because of like the grind of this fucking brutal capitalism like you know, I'm a, I'm personally like very, I'm, I'm, I'm quite far left as far as like politics go. And, and the older that I've gotten, um, it's weird because a lot of people will be like, oh, the older you get, the more center you get. And I find right. that the older I've gotten, the like kind of farther left I get. And like, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because it sort of relates to what's going on now is like, you know, everyone I've been talking to recently is like, um, with this pandemic and like, you know, this, this time that they've been able to like be at home and like be away from the grind of like just the brutal fucking grind of all like constant consumerism in your face. Like I live in New York city. It's everywhere. It's, you know, there's, there's constant insecurity. People always feel like they have to be wearing the, the new what's next. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's just like, and, and, you know, I could go, I could have a whole podcast about all this, like, you know, and I'll spare you on all that. But like, yeah. I feel like a, a lot of the problems that are, that's, that's going on in the world is like, based out of this mentality where it's just like, this, this constant production and all this, all the shit that is like pumped people, people believe that like, because of marketing and capitalism, people believe we need this shit. And um, yeah. we're put in a position where we're like, you know, only essential, essential items and essential stores are open and what, and you start realizing like, we don't need all this stuff. And this stuff is what's fucking killing the world. You know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know? So, you know, it's, it's a, it, and a lot of people I've been talking to recently are like, are fucking fed up and like, don't want to go back to the life that, 
you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I was just describing to you, like, yes, my life is, is awesome. It's oh, yeah, but, I mean, that's in moments, right? <laughs> I mean, the other times, scrapping for fucking your rent, that's not right. fun. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I think, I think if anything, this, you know, this whole Corona thing is such, such a nightmare, but I think if anything, this is a huge wake up for call, uh, wake up call on what really is important. What, what, you know, if, and I said it before, you know, if all the times right now is the time to bank, bank on your fucking self, dude, you know yeah. I mean? We're, we're in the end of capitalism. This is, this is just about where the line is going to start running out on how far you can take a capitalist society. And well, it's, we, I think it's inherent that it is going to need a tear down and a fucking yeah, yeah. redo. Whether yeah, it's, I mean, and I'm not opposed to capitalism. It's, it's brought us to this point. Me and you were sitting in our houses, 3,000 fucking miles away talking. You know, that's right. capitalism. Freely yeah. about whatever we want. There's good and bad about all of it. But I think this is, after we come out of this, this yeah. will be the most important decision we ever make is, are we going to continue letting these fucks completely destroy and ruin our lives and our children's lives and our future. And this isn't a political left or right. Cause I find myself here is extreme, right? Here's extreme left. And then here's a fucking circle where everyone else is. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I, I think this is going to be the changing point where everyone goes, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. You know I mean, I Bernie so, Sanders yeah. just dropped out of the election. You got Joe fucking stumbles Biden and you got a, Another weird, you know, uh, Trump. Get ready, because four yeah. more years of Trump are coming, dude. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what's happening. I truly, you know, you know and what, after I that, what do that. you do? What do you fucking do? I truly believe it, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very disheartened today because, like, I'm, a, I'm a huge Bernie supporter. Like, mm. uh, Bernie, you know, I, like I said, I'm like, I lean very far left. Bernie is, you know, the farthest left of any candidate that was running, and, um you know, him dropping out, it is, it is very disheartening because it's just like two, two sides of the same oligarchical coin. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's the corporate powers that be, it's the like more money for bombs. It's the fuck, you know, it's like, it's uh, just this like old school inherently like, like long ago ingrained, like white man fucking patriarchal society. And, and like, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, I would, I would think that, that the, um, sorry, he's going to jump in on the anarcho. No, it's talk. okay. Hi buddy. <laughs> I, I would think that like, you know, America would have like hit its bottom, but like apparently yeah. not so. And I, and I fully agree with what you're saying is like, um, it's 2016 all over again. And I, I will eat my words if it's not true, but I swear it's, uh, we did, we did. We just got four more years of Trump. I, yeah, I truly it's, like, it's, like, hey, it's happening, dude. I mean, yeah. you know, there's and, and what it what it is to me is it, we are in the throes of late capitalism, dude. I mean, that's really where it is. It's right. This can't this shit cannot happen anymore. I mean, you see, like the only power I feel we have is as a consumer, right? We control we the only thing we can really control. I mean, there's a million things you control your gratitude, your outlook, all these things. But as far as physical control. This right. is a capitalist system. It's based off con off consuming and buying shit. Do you want to make a real fucking difference in this world? Stop buying shit. Stop right. buying gas. Right. Look at what's happening. No one's working, right? That means no one's driving. That means gas is under fucking three dollars a gallon right now. It's two sixty. Right. So you see exactly what happens when people choose to not purchase. 
That's how you fucking destroy the system or rebuild it and bend it to your will or our will. Because when you stop buying shit, they fucking start listening. That's exactly how it works. And I think that's going to be, that has to be our message is don't support it anymore. Right. You know, what's sad about it is that it's taken a global pandemic to to get people to start fucking thinking about it. And, and, And what I'm worried about too is like, it's like anytime, anytime this shit happens, like there's like, you know, mass shootings or whatever. It's like nothing changes, you know? And I feel like it's like once, once business, business goes back to, to normally, you usual. know, it's like it's business as usual. And, uh, you know, like I, I fear that like, you know, maybe there'll be a, a percentage of people that are like, fuck this, like I'm fucked this shit. Like when I'm doing something differently, but yeah. like, it's, I, uh, you yeah. know, and I, I'm saying, I said, I went on that whole tirade as a dude that literally just got packages from Amazon today. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we're all yeah. hip, you know, it's like, you can only do what you can do, but there will be a tipping well, point. That's, and I think we're, we're riding on it. There will be a tipping point where there will be right. actual conflict. Um, I'll be shocked. I mean, just to get out in the weeds, I will be shocked if this doesn't develop into a conflict with China eventually. Yeah, you know, like yeah, act, no, you know what I, I mean? Know. And and part of me, as dumb as it might sound, part of me is for it because fuck that, dude. We've been letting these prick politicians and businessmen sell us out to China, not making shit in America. The cheapest fucking dollar wins. If we if we bring shit, you know, I'm a very pro-union man. Like, we bring right. shit back to America. We start manufacturing. And yes, we can do it with safe regulations, with a decent pay, with fucking uh, environmental shit that's not going to destroy everyone. We can do right. all that. And then, and the CEO of Walmart doesn't need to make $8.5 billion fucking dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like, it, it can all be right, done. Right. So I think if anything comes out of this, it's we need to get off of our – we need to get out of everyone's fucking business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. I think it always boils down to, like, a moral judgment where it's, like, it's always, like, you know, profit over people or, like, in, like economy over environment. And uh, I don't know, like, just, like, when is that mentality going to change? But, you know, like, um, keeping it on a positive note, you know, it's, like <clears> – <throat> and as far as, like, getting back to, like, touring and traveling and that kind of stuff is, like – you know, the thing that I've been like most fortunate about is like being able to like travel as much as I do and see as much of the world as I've seen. And like when, when, you know, when you're able to do that, when people are able to do that and they start seeing other cultures and other people living and like surviving and doing the same things that you do. And, um, and you just realize that like people are people and like everyone, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, different cultures like are, are different, obviously, and different foods and different clothing and different attire and different whatever. But like, um, but people are people and it, and it makes you a more worldly person and it, and it, and it sort of like alleviates a lot of fear. And I think like the main problem, like in, in any conflict is just, it's always, it's fear. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's fear. It's fear, it's perspective. You know what I mean? Like you being from New York, like there's probably people that have never fucking left their borough. That right. you know what I mean? Like and that's how I, you know, the little bit of traveling I've done, it opens up your mind so much on what is what what's fucking going on in the world. You know, you realize there's, you know, it's easy to say America's the best fucking country on earth, but you go to some countries you're like this place is pretty cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you go to some other countries you're like get me 
out of here. The, Get me back to here, New yeah. York. I will ride on a subway naked. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, it, it's just, I think that it's the great travel is the great, like, yeah, well, it's a prejudice well, well, killer for one. For, you know for example, mean? yeah, for example, I was, and one of the reasons I was, I was so, so bummed about like Mexico being canceled, like Mexico is such a beautifully delightful place. Like it is, the people are so nice. Like the culture is so vibrant. The the food is fucking amazing. Like, um, it it's it's so great and it's so vastly different. It's so huge. It's, it's such a big nation and like, you know, you have people that are like you know educated from Fox News or something like that, living in Middle America, and they don't get you know, and it's the fear talking and it's like, oh, Mexicans are bad and cartel and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, it, and and then there's this whole like made up idea of what Mexico or the Mexican culture is. And like, it's like in reality, it's like, you know what I mean? And, the, and then that just translates into so many different forms. Right. And, you know, and it just like, it grows and it grows and it grows and like conflict comes out of it and fucking, you know, it's just uh well, it's just the truth and reality. You know what I mean? The truth and reality, when you actually see how someone, when you see how someone lives and you see that their problems are the same as your fucking problems and you're there in another country and you guys can barely speak to each other, but you both know that your girlfriends are both fucking pissed at you. You know what I mean? Like you can really, you see that everyone's problems are the same, dude, whether you're Mexican or fucking from anywhere, you know, like right. I, uh, I revert back to that Mark Twain. I just pulled it up. There's a really good Mark Twain quote. Um, uh, it, I read it. Uh, I, I read it every once in a while just to remind myself not to be a prick. Yeah. Um, but travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry and narrow mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, he's totally fucking right. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever weird shit you got in your head, it's as soon as you get out of your, your comfort zone, out of your element, you start to see that, you know, we are really people, you know, and it's not a fucking party line and it's not a political discussion and it's not a fucking religious problem. It's just people yeah. are people, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to see, you know, and that's what one of the cool things about playing music is. I did right. want to ask though, um, just back, bringing it back to music. What is there a band that when you saw their secret, you know, I'm a big guy about tone and stuff. Like, is there a band that totally fucking surprised you with like their tuning, their choice of gear, how they set their stuff up? I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's all kind of a little different, but is there anyone that really you thought, wow, this is real outside of the box shit? Um. Uh... Let me think. Let me think. Um, real let that that like really surprised me. Um, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> well, like I I did a tour with Wolf Alice, uh, and you know, and great great band, great people. Um, and their guitar player Joff, like he's got like a double pedal board, and it's it's just fucking huge and so many pedals and like yeah. midi and like i mean so involved like digital pedals and just fuck i mean it's like it's it, it was crazy i mean it was like it was crazy it was like it took it took a bit of wrapping my head around it and like the stuff that he does with it and um i guess i i guess i wouldn't have really thought that he would be using something like that compared to like 
what I heard recorded. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, sometimes things like that, you know, happen. Um, you know, it's like, like Gojira still uses like all like EVH gear. Um, mm -hmm. They're like sponsored by EVH and the, like the tube heads and all that stuff. And like, generally speaking, I, I feel like, I feel like most bands, um, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like that they, they play with a Fender, a Fender band or like, right, you know, they're yeah. using big tube heads or like, you know, they're, oh, they're using a Fender Princeton or whatever, like it makes sense. Um, so I, I don't think, I, I don't think I've had any scenarios that I'm just like kind of blown away as far as like the gear they're using compared to like the music they're making. But, um, but it is good. I mean, it's like, you know, I, working with so many different bands, you become, um, you have to become like a very well-rounded, uh, a well-rounded, like knowledgeable tech because totally. it's like, like you know, some bands are using Kempers and some bands are using tube heads and some bands are using combos and some bands are using solid states and some bands are using fucking, you know, pedal to PA kind of shit. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to, you know, and then you have to become knowledgeable of like radio frequency and wireless and stuff like that. And like, um, you know, and it just like, it just keeps, keeps going and, and you yeah. just keep learning. And, uh, you know, it's, it is like a, it's a, <laughs> it's a very involved world. I mean, like I, you know, I worked with Ben Howard and that was like, um, probably the biggest tour I've done. And, uh, we were doing like arena tours and arena shows. And, um, I mean the crew, <clears throat> it, it was, inc it was incredible. I mean, they had, three or four semi trucks then they had two wow. or three tour buses yeah there was you know an assistant tour manager per bus there was the regular tour manager there was the stage manager assistant stage manager there was like uh, uh front of house audio audio tech and then there was wow. stage audio tech and then there was monitors and monitor tech and then we had four caterers that toured with us and when we would have we would eat every <laughs> three meals a day and they would have menus oh out God. for us for breakfast lunch and dinner and the food was fucking phenomenal oh i uh, bet dude and just the crew i mean the crew alone was so big and and then you think about like like on a bigger level like like metallica and they're something like, like that yeah you know a hundred fucking um tractor trailers and just like i mean it's like you know what a machine man yeah just the just the what a machine you know well, and the amount of work that goes into this stuff behind the stage and the amount of knowledge and you know, the, the, the amount of like different players that are, that are involved in behind the scenes of like yeah. making a show happen. You know, you think about like Nine Inch Nails when they play, I mean, it's like a massive fucking production, you know, and um, which takes us back to like this, this pandemic issue. And it's like, yes, I mean, so many different like, industries are out of work right now but especially like the touring industry it's it's fucking brutal because there's so from like riggers to like lds to like i mean house you know stage the the, the guys that like put the stage together like to i mean like every single aspect and it's like nothing's happening and there's no work and it's like if you know if this is going to be going on for the remainder of the year possibly it's like that's a lot of people just in one industry. That's like totally that. man. I, and I wonder too, it's like, you know, so say best case scenario that by June we're kind of out of the, out of the bad and they start re redacting their, we'll, we'll see if they start redacting all the, all the stuff they've enabled. But, um, 
you know, it's like, man, you know, you're, you're looking at June and now everyone, every single band, every comedian, every musician is fighting for these current future dates. You know what I mean? So like, I wanted to know, like, do you have a plan for later in the year or are you just really winging it at this point? No, nothing, nothing at all. I had, um, I had a full like month tour scheduled with not a surf the end of May to June. That's canceled. That was, a, that was a big chunk of money right there. Um, I had some dates with uh, Blind Melon, some festival dates. I had the, you know, this week that was supposed to happen with Portugal the Man, along with like other like peppered festivals and stuff like that throughout the, yeah. rest, of the rest of the year and other things that were supposed to be coming in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like all of that shit has been canceled. And like right now I'm, I'm depending on, I finally got through after like a week of trying to like uh, New York state unemployment, which was a fucking nightmare. And then yeah, there was, yeah. there was a whole other hurdle with that where, um, you know, I finally got on the phone with a woman and she was like an utter horrible bitch. And I granted she's, um, you know, probably dealing with so many people every day, but oh yeah, she was, she was like basically screaming at me. And I was like, listen, like, I understand you're frustrated. I'm frustrated as well. Like you're calming her down. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, listen, like, I have been trying to do this for a week. I finally got yeah. in touch with you. She was like, well, I need this information. I was like, well, give me a moment to, like, sign into my payroll information online. And then, so, yeah. long story short, is, like, you know, my payroll company is based in California. She's like, we don't have them on file. I was like, I paid taxes for, you know, like, I'm a New York State resident. I qualify yeah. for unemployment. I need this. Yeah. And so, long, you know, long story short, she's like, well, I need to send you – it's, it's not on file, so I need to send you a packet, and then you need to fill it out and print your payroll information and send it back to us before you can get paid. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a caveat in this situation because I'm in Maryland right now. Can you send it to me here? She's like, I can't change the address in the system or it's going to void the unemployment. I need to send it to your apartment. I'm like, okay, well, fortunately, I have a friend in Brooklyn that actually has the keys to my apartment yeah so that's great yeah he was able to like go to get my place to get my mail send it yeah. to me i still haven't gotten it yet and then uh i had to print all the shit um girlfriend's parents didn't have a printer we had to buy one um <laughs> so okay. you know yeah i'm still waiting like i still haven't gotten in any oh yeah dude i got friends that have applied and not even a fucking word yet you know i mean would they go to 15 million like in like yeah. two weeks or something i mean it's that's nuts, man. But, um, so you don't see, I mean, obviously you're just going to be winging it for the rest of the year. I mean, how do you feel, how do you feel New York's going to bounce back? I mean, do you think you, does it feel like a, I mean, I know not yet, but like, do you, were you there during nine 11? No, I moved there in 2003. My sister was though. Yeah. So I wonder if like, you know, New York's so fucking like, you know, responsive. It's like, man, I wonder if it'll really help unify a lot of these big cities like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, we hope a little stronger, so. hopefully. I hope so. You know, and like I was saying a little earlier on is like, for me personally, like I, um, um, I, well, you know, I noticed that like over the last couple of times, like I've made some trips and like going to like some like islands or Hawaii or whatever. And like, uh, you know, granted it's always like vacation, vacation mode. And I try to remember that, but like, I just realized like in this last trip, like, just how much happier and like less anxious and like less fucking FOMO I had and less like, you know, when I was like in an environment that was just like, you know, 
warm and like mm-hmm. it's just people were nicer and I yeah. could go to the yeah. beach and like go hiking and and I was like you know what like the future of New York for me man I've been there like I said 17 years and I've done a lot of great shit I love New York it's like a black hole it's hard to leave um there's a lot of amenities there and I've had a lot of like amazing experiences I never would have had anywhere else um but like, like, I think I'm done, man. Like, I, I, I like, I'm so tired of the, the constant grind, the fucking people everywhere, the noise, the like, it's like we live in this trash pit and <laughs> yeah. pay. I mean, yo, I live in a tiny, like 200 square foot studio apartment and uh, in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Yeah. And I built it out. I made it really nice. I painted it. So it's great, yeah. whatever. But like, <clears throat> I pay $1,300 a month and <laughs> and that's like cheap probably. Right. <laughs> which you know what is, yeah. is a very, very good deal. Like my friends are like, oh my God, how did you find a place that cheap? Right. And well, anywhere else, when you walk in and you fucking touch the other wall, when you walk through the front door, you'll know why, you know? Right. I mean, and, and like <clears throat> anywhere else, USA, with the exception of a few cities, I mean, people, people are like, yo, dude, I spend 1100 bucks a month on a mortgage, a four bedroom house and a pool. You know, it's like, granted, you know, it's like location, location and like, oh, like, you know, people do that because they're in, it's like, you know, after a while I had to start looking at like, am I just still there? Because I'm like, I can say I live in Brooklyn. Like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like I don't party, you know, like I don't care, you know, talking about like bands and stuff like, for years and years, I was so, I had this attachment to like, this kind of like ego attachment of like, I like, we gotta make it and I have to like, my band, my band's gotta be on this fest and we gotta be on this label. And like, you know, in order to like, um, it was like validation, you know, I needed oh, that sure. validation. And yeah. um, and I've gotten to this point is this maybe with like age or whatever, like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about promoting my band anymore. Oh, totally, dude. Like, <laughs> If you don't, you don't. I love yeah. it. I don't care. Um, and it's just like, I like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm I, I, basically what I'm saying is like, I, I think I'm, I'm think I'm ready for like a, a big change. And I, I love, I love my band members. I have no, um, no thoughts about like leaving yeah. the band or anything. And of like, course. Some, yeah. Yeah. Seeing if I could but do no, it. I mean, you know, it's a part of getting older, dude. Like you just don't want to, I, you know, I got three kids. I'm, you know, late thirties. You're in, you're just turned 40. It's like, there's, this is the age where you really just start shedding all the like previous ego, the fucking FOMO, the, I don't yeah. give a fuck. I'm like, I'm pro FOMO, dude. I'm, I am, I love <laughs> missing shit. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I'll miss anything, bro. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it, dude, there's incredible bands that'll play right down the street from my house this little shitty dive bar and I'm like, yeah. not going to make it. No, <laughs> yeah. dude, I, and I, I want to see him, you know, it's like, dude, I just don't yeah. give a shit. You know? I live like, a couple miles from St. Vitus and, in, in right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, nope. amazing bands play there every week. And I'm, and seriously, most of the time, I mean, it's cause I'm, when I, I tour and I do that for work, I'm at a show every night. When yeah. I that's a whole nother animal, dude. But you know, it's like, I've, I'd much rather just be at home, like working on my own music or like watching a TV show or reading I a book. I feel you, bro. Um, so, um, I wanted to ask though, what, what, uh, you know, we, I always kind of, we've been in these Corona chronicles. We're calling these the Corona Chronicles. 
Um, I've been into nice. these with what, what have you been watching on Netflix or has anything, have you watched anything recently that in, like totally you were stoked on or obviously besides Tiger King, you know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched this show called Hunters on Amazon Prime. That's a good it was one. Al Pacino about the hunting Nazis is fucking awesome. Um, anything with like gratuitous violence and like killing Nazis. I, I love it. Um, but uh, I watched Year One last night. I love that movie. Uh, you know, Year One. Jack Black and Michael Sarah. Oh, <laughs> the Caveman movie. <laughs> fucking stupid. It's so, so stupid. good. It's that so is dumb. so good, man. Um, I was like, yeah, Year One, like the Jack Black movie. Yeah, you know what I did watch recently though that was amazing. It was like the best movie I've seen in a long time. In 1917, that was a. I watched that recently, man, and I I was that was a great piece of fucking film, man. It's it one it's shot. shot and, oh, is it really? Is it is one shot, right? Yeah. Because I kept it's, I kept I'm such a moron. I like explosions, so I get sidetracked quick. You know? Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful fucking what a beautiful yeah. film, man. Yeah. The soundtrack to everything, man. Yeah. Well, um. I wanted to say, I mean, before we go, you got anything you want to get out, promote? I mean, obviously the record's on hold now, but uh, you got yeah. any, uh, you throw all of your shit out there if you want, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, we, like I said, we just recorded this new album. It's seven songs. It's called Inveterate. And um, it was recorded by Brett Romness uh, and mixed by Sanford Parker. Um, working on getting it mastered and, um Jazz Helena, who did the artwork for the first album, Tenoral, she's doing, she's going to do artwork for this one again. And um, yeah, I mean, we're not sure. We, we were very happy with Gilead Media on the first one. And um, Adam is, Adam is great. Love Adam. Um, I talked to him at the beginning of the year about releasing it, you know, and he, he was like, yeah, you know, I love, I love you guys and I want to release it again. He's like, you know, but I can't, I, you know, realistically, I can't really do anything until like November or so. Yeah. Oh, Especially when all and, this happens, dude, it's a wrap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, uh, and, and originally we we're like, damn, we want to get it out before that and blah, blah, blah. We might, we, we might try like talking to, you know, someone else or whatever. Um, but you know, now, and then, and then the pandemic happened. So like, it's, um, you know, and, and I, uh, <clears throat> there's there's been some people that are like oh just you know like release it put it online whatever this but like me you know like i think you share this mentality of like i i tend to be a perfectionist and um <laughs> like i'm not gonna release the album until it's like ready um yeah and so like we're it's kind of on hold and so like um you know and then of course we did the first album tenoral on gilead media and that's on uh you know, that's all on Bandcamp and all over, you know, pyrolatris.com and like, um, and uh, it's on Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Find it but everywhere. yeah, you know, and then, and then moving forward in the future, it's just like, I'm, I'm, um, and I'm just like writing and writing and writing so that like when we come out of this pandemic, that we'll have maybe a new album that we can start rehearsing to record right. again like me and maybe this will turn into like a double album or like who knows it's <laughs> endless dude. double album with 18 minute songs on each fucking each yeah, side yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like hall it's uh, yeah 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 it's, it's a bit shorter well, i fuck, think man 
eight minutes is the longest song on our new one. Yeah, it's not bad, dude. Yeah. Um, hey, man, it, it's such a pleasure catching up with you, dude. I mean, I'm so stoked we got to talk. We haven't talked in a really long time, so. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, face-to-face, it's been, like, long time, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, we're going to get out of here. All right. Give my best to everyone. All right. Later.